you know, the, the, the political service Politico recently had their, their top 23 green innovators for, I don't know what it was called, but for 2022. Do you know who number one, who their number one top green advocate was for 2022? It was, uh, was it Putin? It was Vladimir Putin. I mean, he's not trying to be that guy. He's not trying to be that guy. (laughs) (laughs) He's just, he's like, um, he's like an asteroid, you know, like that's, he causes things to happen, but it's not. No, but there's a lot of people that are like pseudo like praising him invading Ukraine because of those people. Those people should be should be burned for energy. If you want to turn people into energy, turn those people into energy. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Angel Research Podcast, special edition. My name is Jason Freer. I'm the CEO of Angel Publishing Investment Research, and I'm here today with Brian Hicks and Alex Koifman. Real quick before we get started. Nothing discussed here should be taken as personalized investment advice. We can give you the tools and the ideas to be successful, but we cannot act on those uh, ideas. That is up to you. So welcome, Brian. You are the founder and president of uh, Angel Publishing. And uh, Alex, you are the what would you call yourself? You are the, the investment director of uh, Microcap Insider and First Call, yeah, correct? That's what I tell people. All right. So uh, we just finished an election, midterm elections. It uh, looks like the Democrats uh, might uh, hold on to the Senate. We're not sure at this point in time, and it looks like there's going to be a slight majority for Republicans uh, in the House, which means uh, gridlock, which is good. Right, Brian? Yeah, uh, gridlock is is always good. It was actually the intention of the founding fathers. Um, when you look at the when you look at the federal government, it's broken up in you know between three branch, branches of government: the executive, the judicial, and the legislative. And even among that, uh, checks and balances, uh, you have a it's under an umbrella system of federalism of state governments versus national government. Um, anytime you have unif- unified government, you usually get a, a president and a legislate- legislature that's very emboldened and they want to push their agenda. Um, so you need a counterbalance, and that's what I think we're going to have with if the House goes – it looks like the House is going to go Republican. And that's the best, of, that's the best scenario because um, most likely they're going to be very, very busy fighting each other. And when they're fighting each other, they're not fighting us, and we – and that's when we can do what we want to do. Koifman, what do you think? Uh, what do you think is going to happen um, as far as uh, the rest of the year? Um, in, in what regard? What do you mean the rest the of market. the year? The uh, market. Well, um, I don't know. The last two days, it's gone down what, like six hundred some, and then last time I looked, it was up almost a thousand. Yeah, we're up. Uh, today's Thursday, um, November tenth. Mm. So the CPI report came up came out it was still elevated but it was less it, it wasn't as high as expected so the market's ripping today Dude. yeah i mean i think that that's kind of a microcosm of what we should expect which is indecision i think that that's what i would expect at least through the end of the year you know it's neither here nor there you get rallies everybody theorizes as to why the rally's happening and then you get corrections and everyone theorizes again so um i don't know like what what huge catalyst are we waiting for to cause it to start going up again 
what, what's what's on the horizon that might possibly cause that? Well, I think uh, <clears throat> what's on the horizon that we don't know. I think we know everything. I think we all the bad news is pretty much discounted into the market, and um, we know everything. I think Famous so. last words. <laughs> <laughs> so you you think the bottom has already hit? I think the bottom has already hit. In fact, I was calling the uh, the bottom uh, May and June, and even though this the market went down um, in uh, September, if you look at a chart <laughs> of the Dow and S and P five hundred, you'll see a very large double bottom. Um, you all right, Coiffy? <coughs> yeah, <coughs> choking on wine. <clears throat> <laughs> Can we edit that out somehow? <laughs> nah, man. We just keep rolling. All right. So we are, awesome. we, we are, uh, this is like happy hour today. This is a special edition. This is our first podcast with three people. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. We got wine. I think we're celebrating, uh, Mr. Hicks just, uh, uh, got an offer on his, uh, beach house in, uh, in Bethany beach. Um, not just an it, offer, but, uh, full price. Uh, we signed the contract and, uh, <clears throat> settlement is next month. So, uh, what what made you uh, sell one of your one of your many vacation properties? Oh, uh, it's easy. Um, you know, I'm getting older, and every month, you know, the pile of monthly bills was like this high. <clears throat> so, when you have three or four houses, you, that means you have three or four cable bills, and you have three or four electricity bills and water bills, and it was just, you know, having that many houses really is a, a young man's game. And I was just trying to downsize and focus on uh, my primary residence in Maryland and then uh, my future primary residence, which is going to be in Florida. So that's what prompted me to sell. And plus the market uh, where I sold in Bethany Beach, Delaware, was it's still pretty hot. And I wanted to make sure that I locked in, you know, a gain before interest rates went any higher yeah i was gonna say do you think i mean where's your guys take on housing right now you know it seems to be uh slowing interest rates are are up um are you uh you think we got further down to go in housing well where i, where I live um there's the inventory lack of inventory is kind of counterbalancing the the rise in interest rates so in my neighborhood people are listing houses uh at a price per square foot that was is way higher than where i bought it just two years ago so um, we'll see, but I think the lack of inventory is definitely playing a role there. Uh, a lot of people still pay cash for houses, so especially high-end stuff and uh, vacation stuff. Yeah, and in <clears throat> Florida, where I am, um, you know, you've well, both of you have been there to to my tiny little island of Longbow Key. Uh, inventory's low. Um, there's still a lot of Northerners uh, flocking to Florida to escape. Whatever it is they're trying to escape, wokeness, uh, high taxes, uh, crime, or whatever it is, uh, it's, uh, they're still coming down. Um, up until Hurricane Ian, I was still getting cold calls from realtors to buy my house there. Uh, so the market is still, I would say, lukewarm hot, but it wasn't as hot as it was, say, like a year ago. Right. All right. Um, so let's uh, touch a little bit on the, the crypto situation. Um, some, some people might have listened to my podcast with uh, Stutman. Um, I'm a big crypto buff. Um, so I guess earlier this week, uh, the FTX crypto exchange uh, went into a deal with to be acquired by Binance. And they've since, um, I guess, pulled out of that deal. 
uh, crypto or Bitcoin dropped. I think last night it hit like fifteen thousand and since bounced back up a little bit. Any uh, any takes on uh, on the crypto market? Are you a buyer here, Koifi? Um, I stopped messing with that stuff last year. Honestly, I, I think that the the worst buying indicator I've ever encountered in crypto is myself. So I um, I don't get it. I thought I did. Um, there, the the amount of transparency overall in the sector, I think, is is severely lacking for any normal people to make any normal prognostications. And this is a perfect example of it. You know, the, the founder of Binance, nobody <clears throat> knows anything about him, right? Nobody knows what he's worth. And so this is situations like that is what turns investment into gambling, in my mind, at least. So. I have heard all of the theories as to why this is the future of money, and I'm going to probably stay in stocks myself. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I'm on, you know, I'm, I don't disagree with you, but I do obviously dabble in the in the crypto and just the contrarian indicators that I got over the past two days from <clears throat> friends and family, like asking. If it's uh, time to buy. It, yeah. And then exactly time to buy or time to sell well it's been mixed so the people that i have been conversing with since you know i was first in crypto hard you know in 2012 to 2014 they're asking to buy and i and i said yeah so um because i think this event has been is pretty a big event as far as I mean, you know, basically these the exchanges in the Bahamas and it was over leveraged and the guy I I don't know exactly what the deal was. He he asked the Binance guy to basically buy him out because they had the FTT tokens uh, on their balance sheet and were gonna sell them. And uh, I think he basically was like, look, if you don't if you don't buy us out, like your tokens are gonna end up being worth worthless and you know and it might echo through the entire market which it which it kind of has so it's a pretty big uh event and the fact that it has shown a little bit of resiliency as far as like you know i would i say only going down 20 percent. i mean that's like kind of normal in crypto so i i think there's going to be this might be the final shakeout before we get ready to to head up i would i would say this i not i you know i've i've told this story before you know i knew when the top of the crypto market was uh, it was late last year, and I hate saying this because they're they're my family members, they're my nephews. But you know, I was on a road trip with my with my my siblings and some of their 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 children, which were are my my nephews. And during this entire road trip, this was in November <coughs> of 2021, they just kept pepper me, peppering me with questions about crypto. And they knew their they knew their they knew the lingo. They knew the jargon. They they actually impressed me with how much they knew about investing. But the fact that they were asking me about crypto, and they're young. So I was like, and I'm, you, you remember, Jason, I was like texting you. I was like, guys, the, the top's yeah, in. Top. The top that, is in. Yeah, I mean, I could probably go back in my text. It was probably like right near the top. Weren't Ferg's kids dabbling in <laughs> shit coins too for a while? Yeah, there? yeah, and that was I a mean, bad. I mean, that was the top. That That's was a, top that was a bad top. sign. And... Um, but just to get back to your, um, so when an asset class melts down, okay, usually the first, well, usually the, the, the strong hands are actually probably already selling, okay? They're, they're, they're locking them profits. As that meltdown um, progresses, it's the weak hands that blow, that blow out. Um, 
but at the very bottom of a meltdown is when the, the super strong hands say, that's it, I'm done. I give up. Um, so until you see that, and I think we're seeing that right now, like some of these strong hands are just, are, are not just, you know, uh, folding their cards, but they're actually going, they're going bankrupt. So where's the bottom then? Um, I think uh, the bottom rate, I would say, I, I think the bottom's happening right now. So buy? I would be a buyer, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty it's been pretty negative um, over the past week, so uh, and I I just tell people to zoom out because. But I'm not know. a crypto buyer though. I'm not a believer. Uh, well, in theory. In theory. Well, that's a that's a good uh, segue. What what are you of a, a buyer of right now? Uh, let me tell you something, okay? You know, as I get older, I I, I become more and more a believer of the genius of the stock market. The stock market stock markets offers everything you need. Liquidity, uh, you know, accessibility, um, you know, uh, participation in corporate America, participation in corporate profit, profits. Um, transparency. Transparency. So I just sold my house in Bethany. I've owned that house since 2007. Um, if you remember in the housing crisis of 2005 through, th say, 2007, the housing market became super illiquid. It went no bid, which means that people who were trying to sell their houses, there was nobody to buy them. Nobody wanted to buy them, and you were stuck with them. And what happened is they defaulted. They went into foreclosure. You don't really get that. You don't get that with stocks. You know, there's, always, there's usually always somebody who's going to buy your stock. So you have super liquidity. Um, so that's where, as I get older, all my, all my capital, all my investing capital is going to be almost 100% in stocks. You putting your uh, proceeds from the, the house back into back in the stock market? Absolutely, yes. Um, how about you, Coffee? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much of the same game. Um, I invested in real estate this year. Um, I have cash, and I'm taking the biggest risks I've ever taken in my life in private equity right now. You know, with with all of this turmoil, with all of the fear and the threat of nuclear war and all this crap, I'm pretty much going hard into the biggest risks I can find. I have, obviously, like a mainstream portfolio with with low risk stuff in it. And I, I do have cash enough to live off for a while if the shit really hits the fan, but I'm taking the biggest risks. Ever. That's a sign right of a now. bottom. That's a sign of a market bottom. The fact that he's taken the biggest risks of his life. Well, I'm taking the biggest risks because I, I think that we're, we're nearing a bottom or at least, you know, approaching it. That's, um, and I'm taking the biggest risks in private equity, knowing that I'm going to be locked in for a year to a year and a half and that nothing is going to happen to share value because share value isn't dependent on the market. So I'm going to be insulated against any kind of risk, external risk for at least the next 12 to 18 months. And my bet is that after that, I'll be in good shape. By the time these stocks go public, I'll, I'll be fine. So yeah. And by private equity, you mean private, private placements? Uh, Pre-IPO stocks. Right. Which is what you cover in, in what I cover in first call first call. Yep. So, any particular sector? Um, I've done two big swings in biotech over the last couple of months. Um, nothing 
super exciting. Uh, there's a schizophrenia medication. There's a peripheral uh, nerve regeneration technology that's uh, fairly low risk FDA wise. So I'm not going to get into it because I actually did not cover either of those because I wasn't given any allocation for my readers. But personally, yeah, these are these are you know just. Big risks. Yeah, um, so I mean, let's let's break that down a little bit. How you are? You, you talked about allocation for your readers. So, how would a typical like if someone were to join first call? How how does that typically work? You're you're vetting these companies out. They're they're raising capital at a specific share price, mm-hmm. and uh, you are actually talking to the company and allocating out a certain so amount. So I usually for your I, I usually talk to people uh, of the bank that is raising the capital. And so what they do is for these exclusive financings, they 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 would give me for example $500,000 worth of allocation for my readers. So my readers uh, collectively could potentially invest up to this is hypothetical up to say $500,000. And that's what I would be given. And if they go over that allotment, then that you know they're it's they're good. out of luck. Yeah, that's right. it. So um, sometimes those allocations are much much tighter. If this if this is like a friends and family investment round, which is the earliest, uh, these companies are valued at say nine ten million dollars. Then usually I get zero allocation. I get, I just get an offer to put in some of my own money. That would be it. And. Uh, those are those are obviously the most uh, kind of sought after, and uh, that's that's the cream of the crop. That's what I go after. But uh, as far as the readers go, then you know the next financing rounds, and they're usually three or four before the company goes public. Then that would be for the first call people. Still, obviously, uh, a huge uh, premium to the market. They they would get shares for half or quarter of what it's eventually going to list for. Um, How do they know what it's going to list for, though? Um, well, I've heard many opinions on, on that, uh, including opinions uh, that are kind of summed up by, I can't even begin to speculate on that or I'll get arrested. You know, I've heard uh, dramatic people email me, things like that. But they kind of have a ballpark figure in their head. They understand uh, from experience where things are going, where the company expects to be. And they have expectations that they may share with me or may not. Um, it's usually uh, a guess. But these people are right. professionals and you know their guesses are usually pretty pretty close. Right. And so usually there's a minimum, right? So it, let's just take the $500,000 example. There's a minimum uh, for that. Yeah. You know, uh, the minimum is 20, 25,000 or something like that. So I've, I've worked with uh, various, various uh, investment banks and I've seen minimums as low as 5,000 and as high as a hundred thousand. So mm-hmm. um, depends on the deal. It depends on the deal entirely. So members of your service, you sort of are, are looking for these companies, looking to vet them out, and uh, you know once you decide that it's a, a it's a relatively good deal, you'll send out a publish publish yeah. the you know basic details of the deal, publish contact info of the person who knows the rest of the details, and then it's up to them. You know they can email the guy, uh, get the subscription agreement, go through it themselves. Right, it's up to them. It's up to them. So you might have, um, you know, there might be 15 people looking to get on in on the deal. And, um, you know, if, if one person comes and says, hey, I want to I want to put half a million, bucks half a in million it, in there, then, then it's everyone else is out of luck. You know, yeah. first come, first serve. Exactly. First call. Exactly. All right. I like that. You you working on it. I think you is the one that you just released to your readers still 
still open? I doubt it. Um, I haven't gotten any updates on it, but I doubt it. It was supposed to kind of close first week of November. So um, I hope there are going to be a couple more before the end of the year, but it's really hard to say. The problem with these financings is that uh, they're highly dependent on broad market conditions. Obviously, they want to go in with the best conditions possible, and nobody wants to raise money when the market's kind of going to hell. So uh, they do anyway, though. You know, like he said, uh, they're always raising money no matter what's going on. Uh, it's just it's a matter of how how favorable pricing you can get. Excellent. So uh, as far as the public markets go, where are you where are you looking um, at? Right I now? mean, kind of quiet right now. Honestly, we're nearing the end of the year, and right now I'm kind of looking more towards uh, tax selling because there are losses. There are. It's inevitable. So we're looking at maybe lighten the portfolio a little bit. Um, we did just uh, publish uh, a re-recommendation this week of uh, kind of uh, an old microcap insider stock that just happened to go down a little bit. And that's a, a high-tech nano-lithium deal. Uh, you can find out more about it, of course, by subscribing to Microcap Insider. How much is Microcap Insider? Uh, it's a 1999 a year. $2,000. 2000 bucks. You know, uh, it sounds like a lot, but if you can't spend that on the subscription, maybe you shouldn't be investing in these stocks. What a bargain. That's right. I agree. And the first call is even more, but if you're, um, you know, if you're putting, you know, it, it's pretty inexpensive if you're, if you're putting <clears throat> 25 to half a million dollars. Yeah, and expecting, you know, you, you need to, in your mind, have already lost that money. So that way it's all gain. I like it. All right. Um, what else you want to you want to talk about, Brian? You got anything on that on that notepad over there? Yeah, sure. I'll give my predictions. Uh, since it's November, um, I'll give my predictions for next year. Um, and you know, in my former life, I, I was a technical analysis, m meaning that I used to study charts and uh, really study charts. So based on the double bottoms that I saw from say early spring of this year until September. Uh, my calculation puts the S&P 500 at a minimum of 4,883, okay? The Dow uh, at a minimum of 39,363. And I think that's going to happen next year. Over the, so, so that's your prediction for the <clears throat> next 12, 12 months, for 2023? For 2023, yes. What about the rest of the year? We got uh, six weeks left. Oh, I think we're going to grind higher. Or grind higher. Um, I think uh, we got the midterms behind us. There's a little bit more clarity, um, especially if the the Republicans take the House. Um, I think people are people are feeling a little bit more confident in putting some more more capital into the into the market. They're also just tired of sitting on cash, right? Because um, they're not getting any sort of. I mean. This is why I love REITs and MLPs is because I can get a bit better dividend uh, yield than I can in the bank. Um, so that's a vast majority of my personal portfolio right now are in REITs, dividend-paying stocks, and MLPs, which means master limited partnerships. Yeah, what is it? Yeah, let, I mean, you want to explain a little bit exactly what an MLP is? Well, it's a, it's... <sighs> MLPs are, are usually typically you'll, you'll see those mainly in the energy sector, the resource sector. Okay, which is uh, hot right now. Right, and by law they have to pay you know a certain amount of their profits uh, uh, to their to their shareholders. Um, 
one particular MLP or two particular MLPs that I love, I've owned for a long time. One is MPLX, which has, it's a pipeline um, MLP. You know, probably two million miles worth of, uh, of pipeline throughout <clears throat> the United States uh, going in and out from the Marcellus Formation, the Permian Basin. Uh, when I originally took my position, it was paying a 17% dividend. So think about that for a second, a 17% dividend. Uh, the stock has gone up quite a bit, um, and now it's paying a 9% dividend. Another uh, dividend-paying stock I love is Alliance Resources. And the ESG crowd's going to hate me for this one because this is a coal company. They produce coal, okay? Uh -oh. And that stock has just gone on a tear, and they pay a 9% dividend as well and my wife and I were hiking in Harpers Ferry about about a month ago and if you don't know anything about Harpers Ferry um, it's where the Susquehanna meets the Potomac so it's a it's a vital transportation um, highway and through that is a, a an industrial C CSX train uh, railway that goes through there and when I was there we saw two uh, trains CXS trains I swear, it had to be two miles long each of just carrying coal to the East Coast. And they're carrying all that coal to the East Coast, some for domestic consumption, but a lot of it was going over to Europe because Europe is going to – Europe is in, in – in, in, they're facing a very dire winter this year because of the Ukraine-Russian war. Um, so they're, they're shipping a lot of uh, coal to, to Europe. Um, another REIT that I like – and I made a lot of money on this street in the past as innovative industrial properties. It was the very first cannabis REIT ever to be offered on the public <clears> markets. Um, I originally bought it like at $19 a share. A few, a few years later, it was trading over $200 a share. I sold, made a ton of money. But with this current uh, market downturn, it's back down to $113 a share. And it's paying the 17 I'm sorry, a 7% dividend. Uh, as you know, the state of Maryland just had their elections on Tuesday, and in Maryland we had question four, which is was to, to legalize cannabis. And it won overwhelmingly from like 65 to 35%. My entire family voted for it, okay? So now you have now 24 states and, and U.S. territories where cannabis is legal for rec recreational use. So that's going to really, I think, boost. Yeah, I mean, uh, are we at a stocks. are we at a tipping point here, Alex? Do you think they're what's Delaware? What's the deal in Delaware? Is it legal um, there? It's not. It's not a good situation there at all. I don't think that there's any real. I mean, I I, I don't want to say anything because I don't know the details, but um, I I think that we're behind a lot of red states actually, as far as. I mean, uh, can you get a like a, a medical? The, I don't think there. I don't know if there are any medical dispensaries there. Maybe a couple, but um, I don't want to say too much. Uh, Why not? Because, well, just because uh, officially I don't really know much about cannabis. <laughs> I'm more of a gun guy myself, so uh, you can't have both. But in Delaware, you can't have either, apparently, because they illegalized semi-automatic uh, box-fed rifles, and there's no weed. So we really have zero out of two. So no fun? No, there's nothing. There's, there's, we have Biden. That's our, <laughs> that's our fun. So, so but, yeah, go ahead. Koifman lives about a, what a half a mile from Biden, right? Well, well you see, I mean, you see Joe out and about. 
No, I, I do get the road gets blocked periodically and I have to go all the way around, which is kind of a pain in the ass. But, you know, it's cool. We have a Wegmans now. <laughs> so. so so back to the gun thing. Auto, is that a recent thing? Because I yeah, think Maryland it, did that, too. Right. Um, did Maryland... No, not. It's it's not as severe. So um, in Maryland, they uh, I think they banned a bunch of different uh, types of box-fed semi-automatic. The reason I'm saying that is because that's what most Democrats refer to as an assault rifle. But, right. Um, a scary-looking. Yeah, a box-fed semi-automatic rifle is it's everything, um, AK-47, AR-15, all, all of that. That's that's the general type. So uh, the Delaware legislature just, they, they kind of did the smart thing if you want to get rid of that gun type. They just said none of this. Instead of illegalizing them uh, model by model, which is what I think they did in Maryland. In Maryland, you can still buy an AR-15. In Delaware, that's all over. You know, you, I actually had one on order, and it got sent back to New York, of all places, which is where it was manufactured. Uh, they called me and said they had to refund my money, and that was it. Because you were trying story. to have it shipped to Delaware. I was having it shipped to Delaware, and it was like two days after, the, uh, after that law was passed, back in June. And so it never reached my hands, uh, went back to New York. Uh, I went to the store where I was supposed to pick it up because they don't ship it directly to your house, as some people will tell you. They ship it to the store where they do the background check and the transfer. And all of their semi-automatic rifles were just like, they were taped off and it said out-of-state sales only. So uh, so, so they, could se- they can sell it to someone that... They can do out-of-state transfers. Uh, if you're from Maryland, for example... But you go in there with a Delaware license and, uh, you know, you're buying basically lever-action cowboy rifles and stuff like that, which is cool, too. But That's my, ne- that's my next purchase. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're fun. Yeah. Uh, if you owned them before the law passed, you can keep them. Right. Okay. And even the police don't like this law. They're not uh, – they uh, – I actually I, – I saw a sheriff's uh, – Newcastle County Sheriff's deputy at the – at the shop when I went there the day after this happened, and uh, they were they were almost as mortified as the shop owners, because all these guys have these these things at home, and you know. But you're just saying the police don't like it just because no, they're, they don't. They're, they, they, what, they, they, but just because they're gun owners, not that not yes, because yes. like of well, what it I means mean, some for their of their jobs. Some of them may be you know constitutional fanatics or whatever, but yeah, they think it's stupid. They think that. Uh, you're, you're basically prohibiting the people that won't commit crimes with these guns from getting them. That's that's what you're doing. Right. That's generally the gist uh, when it comes to any gun bans, for for lack of a better word, uh, is that you're you're only taking them out of the hands of the people who will never use them illegally, right? I mean, right. That's how the laws work. So, so yeah, Delaware, no weed and no AR-15s. Good work. Hmm. When are you when are you gonna move back to Maryland? Um. I mean, Maryland isn't really great either. I mean, sorry, Florida with with Brian. Florida's great. Uh, I, I don't like humidity. Yeah, look. <laughs> you think that hair would never stand up? Or, I mean, that, I just look. You, like Florida's whatever. It's great, but between the hurricanes and the humidity, it's just it's a little bit too much risk for me. I'm more of like a Maine type person, you know. Like Maine, the state. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because there, I'm pretty sure you can have both. You, you got the guns and the weed. So it's perfect, and you're close to Canada. You know, it's, it's yeah, fine. It gets cold, it's though. not too populated. Yeah, probably like New Hampshire too. New Hampshire's a pretty libertarian state. Good schools too. Yeah. So, uh, last thing I think, uh, Twitter, Elon Musk taking over. Good thing, bad thing. Don't care because uh, they're now I private. Mean, my my opinion is that 
I, I think you're watching the world's biggest toddler play in the world's biggest sandbox and having a, a good time doing it. This uh, debacle with the blue check marks. It, are you going to get it? Are you going to get a blue check? I can't. Mark? I can't sign up for Twitter for. for Ask shit. him how many times he's been what banned you, from. Twitter. All of my shadow <laughs> accounts, all of my burner accounts, have been burned. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing. They have all my cell phone numbers. I can't register another. I, can, I have to use my wife's cell phone number if I want to register a new account. So I'm going to ruin her reputation. No, I'm not. That's the, that's a bridge too far for me. So I'm not going to do that. But I think that his goal with the blue check marks is that he just wanted them to become meaningless. I honestly think that's what he wanted to do. And how do you how do you devalue something that takes, you know, just there was no amount of money you could have paid for one before, right? Like you can't you couldn't have bought one for twenty thousand bucks or it wasn't for sale. Let's just put it that way. So now it's for sale for eight dollars. It's basically worthless. All those celebrities that had you know these big uh, high profile opinions are now they're worth eight bucks. So <laughs> that's that's the lasting effect. I don't know if his goal is to is to just tank the company, but. Who knows? I, no, I don't think. Look, he's good at what he does as far as building value for shareholders. He's proven that. I'm not an Elon Musk fanboy. Uh, my favorite thing that he's ever done is SpaceX. I think that they they just do some incredible stuff. You know, like that that's an amazing example of what capitalism can do when applied properly. SpaceX is a great great example. He took risks. He did it himself. I have a lot of and the technology is amazing, and I have a lot of admiration. But you know, all the shenanigans is is just like. I mean, whatever, you know, pissing off uh, celebrities, I guess, is something you do when you have the kind of power and money. Uh, but, you know, it's just background noise, I think. Brian? I think it's going to be fun to watch. Well, it's it's already fun to watch just how. Yeah, I hope. Uh, I hope how Trump... the wokers or the, the wokers are trying to cancel Twitter now. Yeah, I hope Trump. Uh gets back on Twitter. But they're that trying to be... cancel Twitter on Twitter. They're trying to cancel Twitter <laughs> on Twitter. That's the funny right? thing. I mean, it's all it's all within the ecosystem. So you can't... Yeah, they it's can't. Just, it's just more tweets, which is... That's the currency of the company, right? Right. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's uh, probably a good wrap-up. Anything else you want to cover, Quiffy? You want to mm. tease anything? What, what's, 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 what's the next hot hot stock we got coming down? Um, next hot stock. Let me think about this. Um, it's probably going to be something with renewables. Um, it's going to be the best thing ever. I know that much already. <laughs> it's going to be the greatest thing ever. Um, Your last stock was the best thing ever. That's true. All of them are. <laughs> Imagine that. That's, um, I, I, I like, uh, I like anything that redefines the lithium space personally. So I'm going to be probably looking heavily into that, uh, just going forward. Yeah, you're, so you're pretty big on renewables. Do you think, though, like Brian mentioned the coal thing. It seems like, I mean, not that there's pushback against renewables, but it's like when the when the energy cost gets up, like people are becoming, I mean, I think caring both, less Both things can less. be true at the same time. Uh, we're not going to be burning coal in 150 years. Uh, most likely not. At least not as not at 70, 70% of our, uh, of our watts in this country are not going to be produced by coal in 150 years. I mean, do you? Yeah, but we're going to be I'll dead. I'll be dead. Well, so it's irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, it's irrelevant. No, I mean, look, we're heading, I I think that we're heading towards a society that's going to be more electron-driven. Sure. For better or for worse, that's probably what's going to happen. Um, is or, or is it trying to get forced too too quickly, though? Well, this is where I think, uh, you, know, I, you know, and I've mentioned this before. I think the whole ESG movement is not just immoral. I think it's freaking deadly. Okay. So you you have you have your Europe 
especially like Germany and Europe and Eastern European countries scrambling to find fuel for this winter. And they're 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 chop they're chop they're chopping down trees, they're stockpiling uh, firewood, they're stockpiling coal, they're going to the hardware store and buying up you know as much two by fours they can. Uh, they're they're scavenging for pallets, and they're going to use all this stuff to heat their homes and cook their food this winter. So and uh, you know the 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 political service Politico recently had their, their top 23 green innovators for, I don't know what it was called, but for 2022. Do you know who number one, who their number one top green advocate was for 2022? It was, uh, was it Putin? It was Vladimir Putin. I mean, he's not trying to be that guy. He's not trying to be that guy. He, <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's like, a, he's like an asteroid, you know? Like that's, he causes things to happen, but it's not. No, but there's is, a lot of people that are like pseudo, like praising those, him invading those, those Ukraine people, because the, of. Those people, those people should be, should be burned for energy. If you want to turn people into energy, turn those people into energy. <laughs> I think uh, going back, uh, going back, hey, look. Anybody praising that guy needs to be turned into fuel. I think they do the world a better service than by continuing to breathe my oxygen. That's my opinion. But I think that um, if the green movement was genuine and in its intent, they would uh, go full force into nuclear. That's what I think they would be doing. Yeah, but they don't, like, for some reason. Like, yeah, they why don't because, not? It's because, because of Fukushima, because of Chernobyl, because of Three Mile Island. We're yeah. not going to build nuclear power plants the way the Russians did. We're not going to do that here. We France was like what, like seventy five percent nuclear at one point, seventy five percent. And what they're they're shutting are they shutting down plants too? France? Well, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that they've kind of uh, so they, Ger- they Germany, can't. you know, Germany decided not to shut down some of their plants because of the because of the energy. Well, that prices. and plus they're 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 uh, they're restarting their coal uh, fire plants now because they have to. So um, they're importing a lot more coal now than they did, you know, like last year or the year before, because they're facing they're basically facing a black winter if they don't if they don't do something quick. Right. So nuclear, it seems like wouldn't it, may- it make sense, though? Oh, 100 percent. Well, look, China's going to do it. Right. You think China cares about? No, they're pragmatic. Yeah, they, they do what's practical. I, I trust them for that. So, yeah, except uh, for COVID lockdowns. Well, they, they're they, locked down right now. That's still. That's just the way. Still. They, that's the way they do things over there. You know, they'll march you till you're dead, if they need to. Apple was. I, I saw they were limiting uh, airdrops because of the protests. Airdrops. It, like you know, when in your on your phone you can do an airdrop. I don't know. Mm-hmm. People were sending messages, and so they. Apple, the company, limited. That. I don't know. I guess if what, China, to what to what end? I, I don't know. Maybe it was like taxing their system, or China told them. China told them to yeah. stop. <laughs> They're sharing too much info. <laughs> so, yeah. So you're talking about the violent protests in China? I mean. That, that's going on right now? Because yeah. Because of the COVID lockdowns? Yeah. Do you think, do you think the people in China, the, the, the protesters in China right now are getting shamed? Like Americans got shamed for protesting the COVID lockdowns here when we got shamed, locked Shamed on what? Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> or by their, you know. No, they're getting their By their family kicked. members. What? I think they're getting beaten up and maybe crushed by tanks. That's how they do it over there. They don't shame. They don't care about that. 
they don't care about that. So, um, you know, the, I, I remember, if you remember the, when the, it's like the new infection rate graph for China, it was just like 4,000 and then a flat line for about a yeah, year. Never. Yeah. So whatever they do, it's, uh, it, there's no transparency at all. Well, the one thing I think they're doing, though, is uh, I don't know if they're playing some sort of super long game, but they seem to be locking themselves out of super uh, superpower status. Like, how are they going to recover from this? I mean, they're, the lost economic activity just from these, these... I think they are playing the long game. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, but the long game as far as what? Like, limiting COVID? Like, they have to realize that it's not that... No, not limiting COVID, but, I mean, they must be... There has to be another goal in mind by, you know, shutting down all the factories, you know, shutting down the supply chain... Uh, they're to, just they're trying, trying to, to mess with trying to the choke US. off trying to choke off the global economy from their supply. Right, their they're factors. trying to just see how resilient the rest of the what's well, control, you know, yeah. make make everybody realize how dependent they are on on that whole supply chain. But that's the beauty of of a capitalist system in America. They're gonna you figure know, out ways we'll, around we'll, it. We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, that, it, it doesn't seem to make much sense. Um, besides, maybe. Um, testing how much they can actually control the population, like a dry run on the next the next protests come around. Well, you saw. Look, what a great ex- a comparison from you know Chinese culture society to American culture society. After two months of a COVID lockdown here, dude, we were like ready to like, fuck you, we're done. You know, we're we're we're, you know, we're, we're moving on. We're getting back to normal life. Over there, man, it's like, fuck, you know. It's been three years now that the Chinese are have been, uh, you know, periodically locking down that entire country. Imagine that, that was, if, imagine if that happened here right I, now. They're, I think they're conditioning their people. Right. That, I think that's what they're doing. Yeah. They're, they're getting, seeing they're getting what... them used to this kind of thing. And, yeah. And that's completely consistent with the way they've been running their society for hundreds of years, actually. The good thing about all this is that they're not an expansionist society. Like, they're, they're new aircraft carriers that they're building. They're not nuclear-powered. They don't have the ability to just roam around the world's oceans for years on end, flexing their muscle the way we do. They're, not, they're just there for regional control, regional protection, and that's it. Same thing with their hypersonic missiles. They, they just want their own little corner to be theirs. And, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more here, a little bit more there, but... They're not building bases, uh, you know, in Nova Scotia or whatever the, the U.S. equivalent would be. So. Well, they want to they want to just have citizens and people spread throughout the world and, and sort of send back, you know, intel. You mean like Fang Fang? <laughs> Whoever. <laughs> Remember Fang Fang? Is that the um, who's that? Uh, is that the senator? Yeah, no, the, he was a, he was a congressman. Congressman. Right. Um, he got compromised. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Wasn't he also like passing gas loudly? Was that <laughs> so far, the evidence is uncontradicted that the president used taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help him cheat an election. Uh, was that another? <laughs> That's so... He was. It's on yeah. TV. It's I, on... Fig- I figured you would it's raise on that. Cam- it's on camera. Yeah. We should cut to that or something, if yeah. possible. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure these guys will will, will edit. <sighs> No, they'll edit out your coughing too. You feeling better now, Koifi? Right? Yeah, I don't think they're gonna do that. So nah, I'm just, just gonna, gonna own it, it. I almost choked on wine. You know, that's uh, that's what I almost did, but that's that's cool. It's fine. All right. Well, you guys ready to wrap it up, or uh, let's wrap it up. Or you got anything else you want to get off your chest? 
No, I'm good. You're good? All right. Let's wrap it up. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>